Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. France are going to the World Cup. Get over it. This fellow Ronaldo is a cop. Boom, 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 foul. Boom, 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 yellow card. Nah, that's actually a problem, sir. I have to ask you to mind your language. And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Good lad. I don't throw teacups. It's not my style. I think I'd rather throw punches. What you doing down here, you shorty man? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast. We had hoped to be coming to you today to mark a milestone in Irish football with qualification for Euro 2012. Euro 2012? Euro 2016, indeed, in the bag. Unfortunately, we'll have to settle for a playoff. And I know you won't like to hear this, Ken. Mm-hmm. But I think I've got to the bottom of why we lost last night. Go on. Lack of motivational speakers. <laughs> uh, what, I hadn't heard. I hadn't heard about anything about a motivational speaker. Well, this is exactly it. We saw the rugby team last week. Welcome Sonia, Quinny, McGuigan, Shefflin, and McCoy into camp. Yeah, and they smacked France twenty-four points to nine. Republic of Ireland invite zero Irish sporting heroes and lose two one. Not only that, Ken, it's how you react to victory and defeat that's probably the most important. And this morning. The internet is awash with images of Rory McIlroy with the rugby lads, giving them some tips on their golf games. Yeah. Well, the only rugby lads that can still stand. It's before them there. <laughs> yeah. Um, do we see a picture of the soccer team out in the course with Padraig Harrington or Gray McDowell? No, not one. No. Uh, no, we don't, actually. No motivational speakers that we've heard of. Maybe they keep it in-house. Maybe Martin Neal keeps it all in-house, but I think you need constant supply of Irish sporting heroes. Didn't Glenn to- Whelan post something on his Facebook about how... Some of them were watching the rugby match before the... That doesn't count, though. Yeah, it's not really the same, is it? Yeah. I mean, Rory McIlroy, of course, is fresh from Northern Ireland's uh, a Northern Ireland's qualifying win, so it's a double double yeah. win for Rory McIlroy. Someone was saying to me, how come the Irish rugby team never seems to get get asked about Northern Ireland, uh, Northern Ireland football? Uh, the, you know, they're asked, how did the Republic, you know, the Republic uh, getting on, but it doesn't seem to... Well, they were being asked, actually, no, during the week, Rory Best was, was it Rory Best, one of the Ulster players was talking about it. Um, it's funny because it was, the, I kind of picked up a, an article midway and I was getting a bit confused <laughs> about what I was reading exactly. It just wasn't corresponding to the Germany game. Ireland and topping I, their group. Yeah, then I realised, oh, hang on, this is, it was Rory Best or uh, could have been Ian Henderson or one of these guys. So apparently a few of them are watching the Northern Ireland game, a few of them are watching the... Republic of Ireland. Everyone game. cheering on everyone, of course. Of course, yes, indeed. Uh, United Ireland uh, rugby team, Ken. But yeah. the, the uh, now do you say it? I think they really missed it. But you said they were watching the rugby, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least some of the rugby. What needed to happen there was, right, Paul O'Connell comes off injured. 
there's no more he can do for the rugby team. They're too wound up. They probably there's probably nothing he can say in the dressing room. He's struggling anyways, just after getting oxygen, and his hamstring is ripped off its bone by the looks of things. Straight over to Warsaw in an air ambulance. No, no, just even Skype. Skype link. Skype link to the team, lads. I've just you've, you've been watching me there, right? I've just gone off injured. Yeah, I've literally never experienced such agonizing pain in my life. And I'm taking this time to tell. I've already told the rugby lads, and I'm asking you boys do this for Paulie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You don't like my theory. Okay, no, let's, get into, let's get into some chat reporting sports style. Well, it's often the way with football men, isn't it? They're, they're reluctant to allow uh, um, these kind of guru figures in to, to get it, to get invade that space between them and their players. Um, I don't know. Does Martin O'Neill even go? Martin O'Neill kind of is supposed to be a motivator, isn't he, in his own right? He's, a, he's someone who's got a bit of form for motivating. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems to seems to be a pretty kind of phlegmatic type of individual these days. You know what I mean? Doesn't get too excited about stuff. Uh, there's Roy Keane. I don't know if he's a motivator. He was certainly a man who motivated by example uh, during his time as a player at Manchester United. I don't know how how much he speaks in the dressing room if he if he does the whole Henry V thing. Um, I'm not sure. But look, one way or the other, it didn't really work out for us. I mean. I have to say, first of all, that the stadium in Warsaw is amazing. It's one of the best I've ever been to. Um, the whole occasion was was fantastic. Um, obviously, real excitement among all the Poles. Because remember, Poland is like a country that has a long and miserable history of failure in football. Uh, most recently and humiliatingly at their, at their own Euros, where they got knocked out. Didn't they get knocked out in the group? They were really bad. And... Uh, and suddenly now they're going to this year, I was almost thinking, we can win this. Yeah. And why not? Because they have, uh, in Lewandowski, maybe maybe the best player in the tournament. I mean, he's the, the only... Uh, all the players in the world who are better than him are South American and won't be playing the European Championships, with the possible exception of Ronaldo. Um, Gareth Bale. And maybe Gareth Bale. Well, Gareth Bale, we'll, we'll be talking about Gareth Bale today. Okay. Actually, uh, Owen... Certainly, if you ask his agent, Jonathan Barnett, he would be telling you Bell was better than Lewandowski. But, you know, watching him... Um, yeah, you were uh, at the game, just to be clear on that. You're yeah. from Warsaw, so he was pretty impressive in the flesh. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him, I've seen him play a few times. I mean, I've seen him play well, sure, he played against Ireland a few times. Didn't, didn't seem to do a huge amount. No, he, uh, he's, he hasn't scored against Ireland before, I don't think. Um, but he... Uh, yeah, he scored a brilliant goal. I mean... Such a powerful header from a cross that didn't really have much pace on it. And he got up and kind of jackknifed his body. I mean, the technique is amazing. But the ball flew into the corner net, honestly harder than John Walter's penalty did. <laughs> you know, this is unbelievable. Um, I mean, and he was he was obviously the, the key player for Poland throughout the game. I mean, there was a... I know some of the Irish fans are a bit annoyed by some of his, let's say... Uh, what was it? How did it Martin O'Neill phrase it? He knows the game. Oh, yeah. I.e., he's a cheat. Uh, Lewandowski uh, getting our players booked. Didn't you get John O'Shea, a rather soft booking in the first half? Um, you got Walters booked as well. Yeah, Ronnie Whelan in commentary pick, was very good in those moments. He was picking it up. It was the real ex pro picking up the professionals' tricks. At one yeah. stage, he's like, look, it's very clear what's happened here. And as he, he's talking, he's retelling it as a replay is being shown but he's not even looking at the you know he's actually called it marginally before he's, a, he's he's leaning in here 
he's going to spin away here and fall over and the ref's going to get in. The ref is given the booking. I think that could have been the booking for John O'Shea. Yeah. did that a few times. But mind you, Ireland did. You know, Wes Hoolan came on and made a meal out of one tackle. I don't think our players are absolved of blame. If we're, if, you know, if we're taking the moral high ground about one of their players, which a lot of people were last night, then I think you can do that if you can guarantee that none of our players would ever dive for a penalty or try sure, to make who a wasn't it? Wasn't it Shane Long who, who dived against Hummels the other night? Hummel's got booked. Uh, was it Shane? I think it was Shane Long. He was, definitely didn't get touched by, <laughs> by Hummel's. You know, Hummel's got up and did this sort of diving uh, action, but the referee was like, nah, son, I saw what happened there. Referee had, had not seen what happened there. It's because Lewandowski is so good as well. And you see him a lot, but the reason that it's so annoying is because he's so, certainly last night, he was so involved in the game and he was so dangerous. I think that's what spread the panic around the Irish defence, just even his presence uh, when, he, when he wasn't on the ball. It, there's the amount of space that's open. Not even just space that's open up for the players, but just the composure gets taken away from the defenders. They don't position themselves the way they should do or normally would do. Hmm. You end up with these situations where Robbie Brady's playing a player on side at one point. The Brady in particular got caught out of position quite a few times. The centre halves looked a little bit shaky, hmm. uh, largely because of Lewandowski's reputation. Yeah, and you know that if if he gets a chance you know in the middle of the box if if the ball comes to him if he gets if he's in position to get any kind of clean strike on it he's probably going to score it's very intimidating and you know i mean it's to watch him he's a he's a physically one of the best you know one of the most impressive uh athletes in the game at the moment um kind of operating at the peak of his powers does everything really simply he doesn't he's not in any way a kind of uh showy player who who tries to do you know elaborate kind of stuff with the ball he literally does everything so simply and that makes him i think quite an easy player to play with you know they his teammates know exactly what he wants them to do exactly what he's going to do um it's just the problem is he's very difficult to, for defenders to stop you know he's he's bigger than them he's he's faster than them he's stronger than them uh, he's got more technical ability than them this is a difficult opponent right? very hard so Ultimately, I think he's the difference. I mean, he's the 13 goals in qualifying. I don't know whether it's actually a, an outright record, but certainly no one has scored more than 13 goals in a European qualifying campaign. Was it not a European qualifying campaign where David Heady lit it up for Northern Ireland, the aforementioned Northern Ireland? Ah, uh, but I, I don't think he got as many as 13 goals. There was one where he did. Maybe he did get, get around that, yeah. 13, yeah. I'll check it out. He might, he might be the joint record score, record uh, goal scorer, Healy and Lewandowski. But yeah, I mean... Uh, I think Poland actually were caused Ireland a lot more problems than Germany did. You know, when you look back at the games, so maybe we we played better against Germany. I mean, I think we did play better against Germany, um, and I think the reason for that had to do with the team that started the game. And it was quite a different team, five changes. You know what I mean? And uh, so we got some of our suspended players back. We got James McLean back and Glenn Whelan back, but I don't think necessarily their inclusions improved the team. I don't think they did at all, in fact. I mean, I think Whelan... Is, I don't think Whelan should be starting anymore for Ireland. I mean, I know there's been an ongoing debate about Glenn Whelan, which, go, which you know goes back almost to the time when he first became a regular player in the team. And people were saying, this guy is not an international quality football player. you know. And I think that has to do with the fact that he is... He, he lacks a lot of the obvious qualities of a... Of a you know, there are, there are obvious qualities in football and then there are, like, not-so-obvious ones. And he lacks the obvious ones, which would be, you know, uh, strength, size, speed, 
you know, these are the kind of things that are really stand out to the naked eye, naked eye almost on first impression. Uh, kind of a little bit of, uh, you know, obvious flair on the ball. Right now, the, the whole point about Glenn Whelan and with someone like Giovanni Trapattoni, uh, and I guess Martin O'Neill, who's, who's, who's picked him fairly um, solidly whenever he's been available, is that Glenn Whelan brings a wealth of experience and knowledge and know-how and good pro-manship <laughs> and understanding of the role of, of uh, a player in that position. He's doing a great, very important job for the side and he's a player's player, you know. But what we saw on Thursday night was James McCarthy in that position doing a much better job. A much better job in the, in the position that he usually plays. Um, and what he is is a, is a physically much more forceful player than Whelan, who is has become a very easy player for opponents to ignore or bypass. He was taken off in the second half a couple of minutes after he was it was uh, Kuszowiak, the guy who scored the first goal for Poland, had just spun past him in midfield. It was so embarrassing. You know, it was like, oh no, I can't believe you've been done like that. And once he was kind of spun, he was nowhere. He was totally out of the game then and Poland were, were in on the, the back four. You know, and you think, well, that's kind of a fundamental, that's a fundamental moment. I mean, there was a moment in the first half, which I'm sure you remember, uh, when Ireland got a got a sudden break. Yeah, another one. I think he might have even caused he won the, the ball. He won the ball, yeah. finds himself in about seven or eight yards space, runs so slowly with the ball. Looking around. Looking, looking around, around behind him. Looking to see what's going on. And still fading to spot the fact that he's about to be tackled. He may have been fouled, actually. He may have got a lucky free out. I think free out in the end he ended up giving away in. a throw-in. Maybe he gave away a throw-in. But even in that situation, just chip it forward in, into the corner, into the box. Give Shane Long a chance to head a ball. If he, like, ideally, we'd take a lot more, demand a lot more than that out of our midfielders. But mm. in his case, at least do the simple thing properly, which yeah. he, he didn't seem to do. It was a dispiriting kind of moment. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's not as though it was all Glenn Wheel's fault. I just think that he's not really I don't really see evidence of the, of this idea that he's knitting the team together in such an important way that you know I, I kind of tend to see more now the vulnerabilities yeah. like he's got you know he's played so many games for Ireland at this stage and he's had a, he's had an excellent career you know but no career lasts forever and I think now what we're what we're seeing also is that James McCarthy um, is, is being pushed out of position to accommodate Glenn Whelan and the team and that shouldn't be happening anymore because he's clearly our best player in that position. You should play him in, in his best position. We had James McLean uh, coming into the team. James McLean is not, has not in his last few games for Ireland, in, in my opinion, done anything to justify selection. He came on against Poland, if you remember, and injured Arkadiusz Milik with a tackle. Yeah. And that's, that's really the contribution. You know what I mean? It was a, it was a, he injured a, an opponent... It was. A, it was a, maybe. What it was. A, I'm not trying to minimize that as a contribution because it was something which helped to excite the crowd. At least that was back in in, in Dublin. You know, kind of got the crowd a little bit. Ah, you know, and showed the sort of attitude of the Irish team at that stage. You know, he'd come on as a substitute, and you know, we're going to try and chase this game. Um, but I don't really see evidence. I mean, when you compare, for instance, what happened against Germany, and you had in midfield Brady, Hulahan, um Whelan and Hendrick. No, Whelan wasn't there. Oh, no, no, it was uh, McCarthy, rather. McCarthy, Brady yeah. and McCarthy and Hendrick with Ward at left back. Stephen Ward, you know, is not, not playing for Burnley this season. 
I'm, I'm not sure how many of the Irish supporters missed the days when Stephen Ward was our starting left-back. And yet somehow that defence looked more solid than the one with Brady at left-back and McLean in midfield. Brady was in midfield, not... I think he's better equipped to play there than McLean is. Yeah. Um, and Ward, uh, because I think he had Brady ahead of him to pass the ball to and to get it back from, actually managed to look more solid there than Brady did with McLean. It's kind of it's the combinations of players are what makes the, are, are are kind of sometimes what makes them look good or bad. A big issue. Robbie Brady's not a left back, and I said it on the show on Thursday, Thursday or Friday, whenever we were talking last. He struggled badly against Poland at home. And everyone keeps talking about, oh, his set-piece deliveries, right? Mm. His set-piece delivery, we eventually did get one from one corner that he, that he whipped in, right? But he overhit almost every corner and free kick that day as well. Really, really badly. And was quite exposed at left-back, made a mistake for the goal and was exposed a couple of times. I love him as a footballer. I think he's very good for, for the forward. Whether that's on the left wing in some, in some way or in centre midfield, superb footballer. But he just isn't a left back. And the problem is then when he knows in his own head that he's struggling defensively, that seems to impact on his ability to strike the ball properly. I mean, I couldn't believe it yesterday how often he was giving away possession. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. There was no combination with McLean. The two of them was really, really poor down that left-hand side. They were, I think you might have made the point, somebody made the point in the Irish Times this morning that they were allowing them to have the ball. They were allowing Robbie Brady certainly have, they, have they, the ball. They were. Like, he had the ball so much in the second half. And he was just hitting them out of play, as in slicing them out of play. He was under-hitting passes. He was giving it away. He lost possession for the red card when John O'Shea was ending up having to chase Lewandowski back and got that red card. It was it was extraordinary. And it was amazing that you would have thought the confidence... It was microcosm of the team. You would have thought Robbie Brady should be so confident after what he did on Thursday night that he'd be going in bulletproof to this match, but instead he looked like a nervous wreck. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it definitely wasn't his best game. Um, you know, but I, I think that you, you've got to sort of... you got to... You know, we it's, it's, it's as you said, Robbie Brady is, is actually one of the best players in this team, you know. He happened to have a poor game. Um, but, but he's, but he's going to be... Yeah, largely because of the position he was playing. And maybe that is... Maybe I'm misreading this entirely and he will end up being a very good left-back, but t- the games I've seen him play there, he doesn't look anywhere near as comfortable, even on the ball, weirdly, as he does. Because you would have thought, coming forward, facing onto the ball like that, Seamus Coleman, obviously, he's mastered it on the right-hand side, being comfortable and, and being able to attack uh, with some sort of intent. Just to let you know that... Uh, but Sorry, yeah, I do think Robbie Brady's an excellent footballer and will be for the next, uh, hopefully, a lot of years. Most goals in a single UEFA Euro, uh, Euro qualifying campaign, Ken? 13, David Healy, Northern Ireland, 2008. David Healy. Robert Lewandowski, 2016, for Poland. Do you want to know some of the names just below that? On 12, for example, we've got Davor Suker. Oh, yeah. 11, Raul, Tony Polster, guys like that. Jurgen Klinsmann, Robbie Keane. No, I'm not seeing Jurgen Klinsmann or Robbie Keane here. Robbie Ke- e- Eduardo, weirdly. Eduardo for Croatia. Croatia before the breaks of Stoichkov, Panchev, they're all on 10. Yeah. Um, Robbie Keane is the all-time top scorer. He's got 23 including three in playoffs, but he's never doesn't seem to hit double figures in one particular campaign. He's, uh, he's Mr. Consistency. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Robbie Keane came on. That was a crucial moment in the game as well, you know, when, when Shane Long got injured. And Shane Long, by the way, was battered out of the game by Poland in a sustained campaign of physical intimidation. They reminded me of the French rugby team. <laughs> they, they did. They, they, I mean, it was right. It happened I can't, almost in the first minute. You know, there was these, um, it was Glick, I think, the first the first time, just jumping into the back of Shane Long, elbowing him in the head, and then going down pretending, oh, my my head is sore as well, 
my elbow. I think I, I did that thing where you bang your elbow and you get the funny bone <laughs> twang off the back of Shane Long's skull. You know, uh, and they booted him out of it. Like, maybe it wasn't a foul. I mean, Martin O'Neill obviously thought it was a foul. But it was, it was one of those real, you know, this guy's going down. And uh, once he was gone, suddenly it was much easier for Poland to contain us. Because Robbie Keane came on and, you know, it wasn't really a game for him. I don't think he was up against guys who were much bigger than him. We were just raining in long balls. It was one of those ones where he always just seems to be moving the wrong way anyway. The ball is coming in and he's just slightly, he's caught moving in the wrong direction or he's going, like, remember he was winding up for an overhead kick and somebody's right in front of him. (laughs) You know, it's just like, this is just not going to happen. And then there was this whole debate about Hulan, which uh, which seemed to kick off on TV in a big way. Yeah. But... It does seem, I mean, unless Martin O'Neill is just telling barefaced lies, you know, Martin, either Martin O'Neill is just lying to us, or Wes Hulin went to Martin O'Neill and said, I don't think I can play the full game. Yeah, O'Neill was very clear on that, and uh, I found the whole uh, TV debate kind of surreal, to be honest, but in terms of actually what Martin O'Neill said, he was, was absolutely unprompted. Tony Donahue said, how's the mood in the camp? How's the mood in the dressing room there? Yeah, it's a great mood, we're all looking forward to it. Freshness is the key today. Wes Hoolan came up to me and told me he doesn't want to play. Um, doesn't want to. Can't start. Is is too sore to start. And I appreciate that. You know, he's had this foot problem and he had a lot of exertions against Germany. And then he moved on to talk about one or two other players there. So it was quite telling. I thought that he put it out there before even being asked about Wes. Mm-hmm. You can tell he gets annoyed being asked about it because Tony O'Donoghue asked him again after the game about Wes, and he's sort of talking down to Tony O'Donoghue. You know. Mm. Um, you think it's all about one player. You get too hung up on one player, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. He's, he he clearly has things that others have been abandoned about Wes, which everybody probably does, yeah. and therefore he's almost defensive about it from the start. Well, he had said something kind of a bit strange about about uh, Hillehan uh, the night before. Is this the famous press conference? The, pr- the press conference um, the night before the game. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I say famous press conference because that was Dunphy's big... I don't even really want to... But that was Dunphy's big... Um, point that O'Neill is saying something different in his pre-match interview than he was in his press conference but of course the press conference was a day before the game and as he said himself in the TV interview he wanted to keep his cards close to his chest but what did you notice that he said that was uh, well he said basically that um, he, when he was talking about Hulahan, um maybe he's got to ask himself why he wasn't why he hasn't been playing at this level for longer you know what I mean oh I didn't notice that part no yeah um, which I thought was a bit uh well, okay, here's it. Well, Wes has done... Someone, someone basically asked some question along the lines of, oh, there's been this idea that Wes Hoolan isn't suitable for an away game, maybe a physical game, maybe a game against a strong team, you know, all that kind of stuff. Which is total nonsense, obviously, because he was our best player against Germany in the best win that we've had for, you know, at least a decade and a half, right? So um, O'Neill said, well, Wes has done exceptionally well for us. It's great to see it. He's got ability, no question. And also he possesses... He wants to have the ball which is great. That's very important. He plays like he trains. Exactly the same. Great enthusiasm he has for a game. And he has to think why, at his age, he didn't play at the highest level for longer than he has done. Uh, uh, Wes might not be suited to everybody, but he's done very well, like a number of players here. He's very important for us. We have to look at him this minute and see. He's the other side of 30. He said the other side, not the wrong side. The other side. Uh, Is there really even a wrong side of 30? You know? Uh, to see whether we can have the benefit from him starting two matches in quick succession again. We'll have to have a look at that. Uh, but in terms of confidence, yes, confidence is great. 
just that he didn't play, he's got the thing quite his age, he didn't play at the highest level for longer than he has done. I mean, it sounds to me as though um, O'Neill would certainly place a bit of the responsibility for that on Hilden himself. Yeah. I kind of always looked at it and thought, well, you know, there must have been, must have been something going on. I suppose he always did have this ability, but I kind of would have thought that his, you know, being his short stature, let's say, uh, would have been a big factor. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, uh, coaches in uh, England in the sort of, you know, championship or whatever, we look at this guy and go, well, no. This guy, nice, nice, skillful player and all that, but physically not up to it. Particularly in the era he was in. We had Steve McPhail in the studio last summer who was saying that's exactly what was he, he, the attitude he noticed in his career from being this valued, skillful playmaker type. Now, he's slightly bigger than Wes Hooligan, but not gifted with pace or mm. necessarily this massive engine. Not the, not the most athletic players, but super skillful. And he noticed the change in attitude as his career progressed. Still ended up forging a really, really good career. But that that era in English football, and Wes would have come in on the back of that, say, there had it got to the point where the obsession was with the sort of all-action big athletic midfielders. Mm. Probably still is. It's probably still a leaning towards that. But then you do get your Charlie Adam types in there forging pretty good careers for themselves in mm. the Premier League teams. I mean, physically, he seems to be in pretty good shape, judging by what he did against Germany, uh, in my opinion. I mean, I thought that that showed incredible desire from him. I thought it showed a real determination. You know, maybe what O'Neill is saying there, there is something about that. Maybe he then realises he did waste a bit of time and he wants to make up for that. Uh, and I, I would be amazed if Martin O'Neill was going around telling people that Wes Houlihan had come to him and said he doesn't think he can play this full game if that hadn't happened. That would mm. be because that, that'd be that'd be crazy. Yeah. From O'Neill, I mean that that would be Houlihan would be like, well, hang on, you're you're going around telling people I, I said I didn't want to start. You know, we can imagine how that one would end. So I, so I assume this happened. Oh yeah. I don't really see why it was why it was a controversy. We knew that he was injured, kind of leading up to the Germany game. You know, he had this problem with his heel. Which was on, which was ongoing the week he played against Germany anyway, and it's it's quite plausible to me that he then. I don't think that I don't think even Martin O'Neill, you know, I don't think even like Gary Megson would drop Wes Hulen after that game on Thursday if there wasn't good reason. For there it. is an argument for we we'll move on from Wes, but there is an argument to that O'Neill didn't need to reveal that little detail that he could have just said he's not fit to start, he's got this heel problem. We'll try to bring him, you know, we'll bring him on for twenty minutes. But he decided to mention the fact that O'Neill that. Hulahan had told him that. Similar to how, who was the English player who Roy Hodgson revealed had told him he was tired? Sterling. Sterling, yeah. It was Raheem Sterling. Yeah. Now, that was in the middle of the anti-Sterling stuff coming from a lot of places, so everyone was jumping on that and saying, uh, but one of the points being made was, well, why did Hodgson actually have to necessarily say that? You know, there are ways mm. to talk around things. Clearly, I don't know, Martin Well, there is, there, I mean, that is a point. That, that is a point. I hadn't considered that, but yeah, that might, that might be the case. I mean, I do agree with Martin O'Neill when he says, it's not all about one player. And that is true, and I think what we saw actually was it was a well, what it was was the combination of players that were on the field on Thursday compared to the combination of players that were on the field on on Sunday, and the the first one was a lot better than the second one. Um, now, and the Polish defence was shaky enough that actually, if we'd played our footballers, we would have had a chance. Whereas, as you're saying, it seemed by what you're saying, being at the game, they were actually a lot more aggressive and physically more imposing than Germany were. Oh, yeah. Germany have loads of big players. So the long ball, in this case, the long ball wasn't the way to play. I don't, I don't care how he played. I don't, I don't really care that much if Martin O'Neill decides to play long ball. No, I don't care at all. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't it's not care. his job to change a culture of a... Of a I don't um, care if he, if, he, if he 
throws a cowhide over the opposing <laughs> players and beats them with a club. You know, that if, if that gets us to European Championships, that's okay. You might get cited for that. Look, you know, it's, it, I would I would take it. You know, we're we're uh, we're a little a little hustler of a country running around trying to trying to you know make do and manage. You know, with, with what we can. But it needs to make sense. What we can Your get. approach needs to, needs to make sense based on the opposition. And now now we're now we have this playoff situation where uh, we're going to be without John Walters, who's been a vital player for us. Uh, we've, we're going to be without John O'Shea, who. You know, maybe his form for Sunderland hasn't been that great, but look at him playing for Ireland. It's been consistently really good over the last few games, and you know we're going to miss uh, we're going to miss these guys. Uh, we're going to miss them badly. Um, and in the playoff, it's almost certain now that we're not going to be seeded. And as it stands, the teams who we could be drawn against, although this can change, um, are Ukraine, Croatia, Bosnia, and Sweden. Um, <laughs> now Croatia I think would absolutely wipe the floor with us I don't think just te- technically too good for us yeah I think they I think they would properly dispose of us in a way which with the minimum of fuss on their part and, and pain, with a, pain, a painful way for us we it would be ideal ideally we don't get drawn against Croatia um, the other three Bosnia, Ukraine and Sweden are not on uh, are not really on Ukraine's level, and I think in all of those games we would have a chance. We yeah, we have a chance. Well, I mean, even Croatia, they came, if they came third, they're hardly wiping the floor with everyone else in their group. Well, I mean they they mightn't be coming third if they. I think they had a point deducted for racism. This kind of stuff was coming into play. You know, they might they might even be the third or the the. Uh, it wasn't the team who was racist. Obviously, it was the supporters. Um, they, they. I think they may even still have a chance. Oh God! Oh, and I don't have it in front of me. But they may even still have a chance of being the top. It's the top team that goes through, regardless. Yeah, at the moment that's Hungary, uh, another team which is which I believe is ranked above us in the coefficient. So, yeah, look, I don't know. It's it's. But but when you think back, I mean, I think back to June and when when we failed to beat Scotland at home, and we've somehow managed to finish ahead of Scotland, <laughs> which is miraculous, really, considering. How things looked after that game in June, we thought, well, we're going to finish fourth in this group. Okay, we actually managed to finish third. We did what Scotland couldn't do. We beat Germany. We beat Georgia. They couldn't do that. And uh, even though we couldn't beat them and they beat us, we we finished ahead of them. This is actually a pretty good situation for Ireland. I think overall, uh, we have to be reasonably pleased. Absolutely. And that's 100% the way to think about it. I'm ju- I'd just be slightly concerned that the players' optimism will be punctured. That the confidence, that win, that Germany win, should have led to, I mentioned Robbie Brady specifically earlier, but as a team, they should have been buoyant going into that Poland game. You're rarely going to get a more pressure-free match in a way. They're still going to be in the playoffs. They could have gone for a win, a high-score draw. They should be all out. They should be going for it. And they were totally inhibited. It just concerns me slightly that they, hopefully they can just forget about that and think about the Germany game. But, Immediately, three or four days after that amazing result, we're kind of back to playing this, foot, not within ourselves, but back to playing this type of football that's probably not going to be enough to win in the playoffs. Um, well, you never know. I mean, it's like the other teams who are in the playoffs haven't, you know, they're not, uh, they haven't necessarily covered themselves in glory. No, but we have, to, we have to play better than we played last night. Uh, yeah, we, we, we probably do. I mean, the way that Shane Long put it before the game is this is our playoff. Uh, you know, we're looking at it in terms of we we go there, we get the 
we know what result we have to get and we can go through and this is this is it this is like the second leg of our playoff so obviously we've we haven't managed to to uh, you know get through the playoff but now we've got this this next playoff <laughs> the, the so actual playoff one, what one, uh, yeah. what else do you want to talk about in this section just Gareth Bale and saying that this is uh, the highest uh, this is the high point of his career Bale of course has led uh, Wales to uh, the European Championships which is pretty amazing uh, they and he says that this is uh, uh, well it's hard to put into words what we've achieved I've never celebrated a loss like that because I <laughs> lost to uh, to Bosnia uh, but it is right up there in my career everyone knows how important Wales is to me and how proud we are to play it ranks on a par with everything else the Champions League if not top I think it is top on uh, yeah. maybe who knows what might happen if they um, actually win a game at the Euros uh, but the other thing is just uh, Gareth Bale's agent Jonathan Barnett uh, who has done an interview today in The Guardian. Um, you always want to hear more from these agents. This is the guy who's also Jack Reedish's agent. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was Ashley Cole's agent as well back in the day when uh, when Ashley Cole nearly drove the car off the road when he got that insulting offer of 50 grand a week. Um, so when we think football agents, we're yeah. thinking this guy. Yeah, he's a, you know, he's a, he says he lives to a high standard but that's what he's worked for, so didn't see a problem with that. Uh, and he, but he says, uh, as far as global football is concerned, we're the largest football agency, player-wise and everything else. George Mendes is probably the only one close to us, but George is different. He does much more work with clubs. We solely work with players. It's a different operation. I've got a lot of time for George. I think he's a brilliant agent. But what am I going to say? I think I'm better. George may have his own say in that, but listen, he's got Ronaldo. I can't knock that. He's the biggest operation out there. Uh, but he does say that every time I keep reminding Mendes of that bail deal every time I see him, he ignores it, absolutely ignores it. I'm sure he's looking for some way to break it, but it's nice. It's the world record. I'm quite proud of it. <laughs> so this is agent uh, banter. Yeah. Uh, he's like Mendes is steaming now because he doesn't have the world record anymore. Apparently this actually happens between these guys. It's got to be a podcast. Ken. It's got to be an agent podcast presented yeah. by Pini Zahavi. Former Israeli super agent Pini Zahavi. Whatever happened to him? Why do you never seem to hear Pini Zahavi? I don't know, but that's why he's in a position now where I don't know. Maybe he's fallen on hard times. Maybe a podcast is his way back into mainstream football. <laughs> <laughs> Pini Zahavi interviewing all these other guys, Mendez and all the rest of them. Probably will be good because I mean they're you know, Once you get them talking, they are exceptionally boastful. <laughs> yeah, and that is always the best form of uh, listening, uh, in my opinion. He goes. Uh, he 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 goes on to to answer these claims about does the chief executive or or do agents taking money out of the game? Well, what about the chief executives? Don't they take money out of the game? Two three million a year. But he says in 1966 we won the World Cup. It was our greatest moment. Those eleven guys didn't have agents, I don't think, and the clubs were looking after them so well. A number of them had to sell their shirts to have money to live. And I'm not sure how many of that eleven were ever able to retire. Every player that works with me, we'll make sure they will not have to run a pub or go on TV to do punditry. Their lives will be well looked after. And my life will be well looked after. But he also says that Bale and Ronaldo are quite different, not going out to eat every day together. Uh, at the same time, uh, Ronaldo's a wonderful player. And Gareth can learn a bit from him as well. But Gareth Bale is going to be the best player in the world over the next couple of years, according to his agent. That's it from Kennedy's report on sport. And he is my second captain. Second cup of the humorous competition. I saw that. Important men for my selection. <laughs>
All right, let's stick with last night, Ken. At the stadium, you got a little bit of reaction before you left? Yeah, um, just after the game, um, we were there, the, all the journalists finishing up at the work, and I managed to talk to uh, Dion Fanning and Miguel Delaney just for a few minutes to see what they made of it. So uh, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't really know how to feel about that. I still don't really know how to feel about it. I mean, how, how maybe you can help me. How do you, how do you guys feel about it? Uh, Back down to earth. I, I feel, yeah, I feel there's kind of a, a, a wasted opportunity, really. Um, I, I think Martin O'Neill landed upon a, a team on, on Thursday against Germany. It's not a team he would, he would have picked if, um, or essentially if Glenn Whelan hadn't been suspend, suspended. But having got there, having found what James, seen what James McCarthy can do in that position, and you know, James McCarthy, the only other really good game for Ireland was in Stockholm when he also came in late for Glenn Whelan. So there's a kind of a pattern there. Uh, and then the question is, does he give more to Ireland? It's not just about whether James McCarthy plays well, but does he give more to Ireland from that position than Glenn Whelan? And he, of course he does. And then you know, he dismantles that midfield for, for tonight. And you're back to you know, watching, trying to figure out what it is Glenn Whelan is doing. Because he, his legs have gone. He can't shield the defence. Attackers are, attacking midfielders are running by him. Uh, and I thought we, that, that kind of surrendered whatever advantage Ireland had got from, from this kind of... Uh, this win, you know, this win against Germany was, should have been the kind of launching pad for for kind of a, a new team. Well, yeah, that's it. It is a, definitely a wasted opportunity in that sense. And I don't want to kind of do down the Germany result or kind of the um, how it was achieved, but there was a slight sense that because really there's only one way to play against Germany that played into O'Neill's hands a bit. And we wrote a look. You know, he got, he got his tactical game plan very right in that game and everything came off well and he does deserve credit for that but there's a difference between making decisions making those kind of decisions where you know the opposition is so extremely good and then having to do something where you're up against someone of a similar level where you're expected to win or can win um, and you have to be supposed to be a bit cuter about it and there's still been no real sign of that from O'Neill yet as Dion said there there's still a sense he doesn't know what his best approach is he's kind of stumbling through Different formations and, and configurations. Yeah, I mean, he did. He did. So it, it, it does seem that West Hillen couldn't play the full match tonight. Or it was was had some injury, had some problem, and, and he himself didn't think he was going to be able to get through the full the full match. Um, bearing in mind, say that he couldn't start. Say if we take that, if if we accept Martin O'Neill's kind of word that he, that was never going to be realistic for Hillen. How could that midfield then have been structured, given that he was an important part of it as well, and he, he was unavailable? How, how should it have been set up rather than the way that it was? Well, we looked. I mean, it's not inconspicuous that the minute after Wheelan went off, we actually put together a spell of possession for the first time in the game, and, at the, and even Hendrik looked, looked better when he was moved into the middle as well. So, I mean, there could have been something there, even if we couldn't play Hulan for the whole match. Yeah, I, I think I do think you know. So actually, and maybe. Could Mark Wilson have played at left back? So you actually kept Robbie, Robbie Brady in midfield because he did really well there on Thursday night as well. It wasn't just like Wes Hoolan was was immense on Thursday, but I think you could have tried to kind of keep what was there rather than losing half of it. And then you know the one, the other great uh, positive from Thursday night, you know, in a, from a playing point of view, being McCarthy. Uh, putting him in a different position, or putting him like you know, he started the game tonight. He was playing. It was one, like times he was playing alongside Shane Long. Mm. Like he's a deep sitting midfielder. That's what he does, and he's playing at the other end of the other end of the field. Mm. Um, now maybe you know O'Neill and Keane think that's you know he should be able to do that, and maybe he should be able to do that, but he he, he can't. 
Uh, so so why, why, why do that to him? And I think if you'd done that, and then if you'd lost, uh, you could say, right, we've kind of, we found something now. We found a kind of a, a, a team that has a kind of identity and a midfield that has an identity. One thing I will say is Shane Long getting injured yeah, uh, that was, bad. was a real blow because he was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he, you know, there's no way Robbie Keane could do any of the things. He could, could have probably ever have done anything Shane Long was doing, but he certainly can't do them now. And that was, a, that was, you know, that's un, that was unlucky for, from O'Neill's point of view, from Ireland's point of view. And it would have been nice if he'd been on the pitch when, Whelan, you know, when there was, you know, for some time when Whelan was off, when uh, McCarthy was playing back, and when Hulan was on. Like it would have been, that would have been interesting. It does, it does have to feel like um, if we do qualify, or even going up to the playoffs, it does have to feel as if it's going to be this kind of the defining issue or anything. In the same way that Trapattoni was under such pressure, they picked the likes of um, of McLean before Euro 2012, and that that it kind of does this, this public desire for a certain player but, uh, but in a manager oddly resistant to actually uh, doing what everyone else seems to think in that sense uh, that, this, this whole issue over Hulahan and how he sets up for the playoff is going to be indicative of that yeah, I mean, I think that's the first time either of you have mentioned James McLean and uh, I think what we're, we're kind of a lot of us now are thinking maybe Giovanni Trapattoni was onto something <laughs> in that I mean, what, you know, how did you think he did tonight? I mean, Martin O'Neill obviously likes him he's played quite a lot of football for Martin O'Neill now is he? I mean, I remember that uh, you know, in the run-up to Euro 2012, he actually had a sensational run of form yeah. for Sunderland. That was the reason people were saying, "Come on, this guy—you know—he's yeah. performing better than uh, some of the guys we're using." Um, but he doesn't really seem any better a player now than he was three years ago. No, um, I suppose given given the referee, maybe just a surprise he didn't get booked tonight, mm. uh, and, and given some of his the, the industry of some of his tackles. Um, yeah, he, he, he's on like. In a team like that, you kind of again, it fits in with O'Neill's management as well. You you do want someone a bit cuter for games like that, whereas he's such kind of a functional player in that way. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me like he doesn't really give the fullback a lot of, lot to work with. Like Brady's there, and um, you know, ideally, if you if you, Brady was on the ball a lot, and ideally, um, you know, if you're if you're a fullback trying to attack, you want the guy in front of you to sort of make some angles or give you some options. But it seems as though all McLean does is kind of stand about ten yards in front of him yeah. and and say, you know, give me the ball. And, and even as attacking, it's like he's if he's on a tram line. It's just it's one direction. He doesn't necessarily cut in. Doesn't have too much craft about him either. Mm. It's 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 all so yeah, one dimensional. I think he's better from the bench when yeah. uh, he comes on yeah. and the game is a bit stretched and, and and defenders are tired. And then that lack of finesse. Doesn't really matter as much. He can just kind of run and knock, you know, and just get by, get by the fullback, yeah. and put in crosses. Uh, and you know, when he gets into those positions, he does put in. He can deliver a good cross, but I, I don't think I don't think it worked. And again, it was just it sort of ended up. You know, it, it was it was contributed to this sense of a, of a, um, an Irish kind of midfield, an Irish you know team from an attacking point of view that was really limited and really just. Um, had no kind of adventure and ambition, and in a game when you know, in a game when a win was was yeah. was there was so such a great prize for a win, yeah, uh, just a draw, just a two, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but to just to, to actually, I I just don't yeah, understand it. it. it like, like four, this is a better chance. This was like Shane Long had called it on Saturday night when he said, "Yeah, this is our play. This is really our yeah. playoff. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have to beat Poland or get a high-scoring draw or beat you know one of you know teams?" As good as Poland, Croatia, or, oh, Croatia Bosnia, Sweden, Ukraine, yeah. uh, over two over two legs. Like the advantages with them over two legs, yeah. uh, and 
you know, this was this was a, this was a much better chance. So when O'Neill says, you know, the, we would have taken the playoffs beforehand, that's fine. That's yeah. that's fair enough considering this, considering the group we were in. Yeah. But this was this was a, this things was a, things changed, yeah. and we were in a situation where this was you know this was the playoff, yeah. and. Uh, and I think it's a shame that we went about it the way we did go about it. Do you think um, finally that we are going to be in Euro 2016? If you, were, if you we haven't seen who even is in the playoffs yet, we don't know who we're going to be drawn against. But uh, what do you reckon? Are we going to be there? Uh, it's right, three hours ago after the Germany game, and we swelled in the pride of that and all. I would have said uh, yes, we'd fan- fancy ourselves against anyone at this point. But after that again, it's going to it's back to reality really, and yeah. you can back to all those same old questions about the team. I think I'm. It's amazing, given that we beat the world champions four days, and we're back to this whole issue of whether we can actually beat someone around our level. It's <laughs> 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 totally ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's, it would, especially without... Can we actually beat somebody? We've <laughs> well, just we beaten can. Germany. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we can, yeah. And, well, the problem, actually, Walters and O'Shea missing from the first leg of the playoff yeah, is, is bad. Um, Walter, O'Shea has yeah. been doing very well for us. Walters has been the player of the, of the campaign, yeah. actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and he's really going to be missed because he, he does does everything, mm. does everything for everybody, and uh, that's going to be a big loss. So, you know, only, like everything now comes down to hopefully you get to your home leg second and you know know what we can do at a, you know in a big match like that. So, yeah, we can do it. It depends on who the opposition is. So, mm. like it can be done, but I just think it was a missed opportunity yeah. to kind of really shape the team. It just feels like more unnecessary pessimism now. Pessimism yeah. that needn't be there because of the way yeah. we went about the game tonight. Yeah, it is kind of remarkable at this stage how Glenn Whedon is becoming this player that if I, I was say I feel bad for him. I don't know how much of it actually goes through to him or affects him in any way. He seems pretty mentally strong, but that he's constantly at the source of a lot of these conversations. And it was maybe a little bit unfair in him looking back in Euro 2012, given how exposed he was and he mentioned himself, wasn't, himself, wasn't he or was it Keith Andrews who said in the middle of the tournament yeah a lot of these other teams they're playing sort of three in midfield Yeah, it's quite hard for two of us to take on three and he didn't need to say it but yeah, three so three technically superior opponents uh, so maybe he's been a little bit unlucky at times but you, you seem to be talking you seem to make the point again that he's actually whatever powers he did have maybe are waning in well you know it's the same the same thing happens to everybody you know, I mean, Glenn Whelan is not, is, is, was never the, the greatest athlete to play the game. He's done exceptionally well to have an iron career as long as he, I mean, he's got like nearly as many caps, probably has more caps for Ireland than Roy Keane at this stage, you know, as many caps around the same number of caps as Liam Brady or someone like that, you know, talking about a a, a big Ireland career. I mean, what, how, how long realistically are, are we, do we see this continuing? A yeah. hundred caps? Do we think, do we think Whelan will be a hundred cap? Player for Ireland, I don't know. Um, I, I do. I just think when we when we saw what happened against Germany, when we saw things sort of beginning to, whether that was by accident or design, what actually what happened there, when we saw that things were, were beginning to, you know, work in a way we hadn't really seen before, we should try and replicate what we were doing there. One thing, one thing that we haven't probably raised properly is that O'Neill himself did mention freshness beforehand. He. Possibly if there was a week in between games, we mightn't have seen both those changes. We mightn't have seen Whelan and, um, who else could be, James McLean come in. But the fact that there was such a, and maybe he felt that, you know, we're talking about Stephen Ward, maybe he felt that Stephen Ward couldn't play two games. He did say that. I mean, he left Stephen Ward. And Ward was taken off injured, yeah. So, I mean, that's, he he, he was gone. But Mark Mark Wilson was there. That could have freshened things up. Wilson was carrying an injury as well. You know, you don't know the ins and outs. O'Neill doesn't seem like he ever really wants to discuss the ins and outs of every injury and of the situation 
anyway, which is, I guess, his prerogative. But the, I'm devil's advocate a little bit here, but Whelan was fresh, should have been fresh anyway. And McLean, they weren't even, it wasn't as though they were coming back from injuries. They were coming back from suspensions. They, these guys were fully fit. Yeah. And O'Neill's head, we're going to give him a big energy. And McLean underperformed as well. He didn't give. I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't think he did. I wish I could say that I thought he had. But I don't think he did. He's not as bad a player as he looked last night. I, I don't think. I mean, he didn't even, there wasn't even the crunching tackle. There were just bad fouls, stupid fouls. I don't know how he wasn't. Was he not booked by the end of it? I think he managed to escape a booking despite a number of, <laughs> number of fouls. Um, never really, never got those runs on the outside that he can sometimes get those direct runs and crosses. I think he's done okay a couple of times off the bench in this campaign, like that time against Poland you mentioned. But yeah, um, yeah I don't know. We could pick holes in every single player here, Ken, but I'm going to ask you if you think before we get a chance to work out who we're going to be drawn against next weekend, are we going to win? Are we going to qualify? Are you still optimistic? The one, other, the one other thing I want to say before we get to the qualification thing is, I was a bit puzzled also not to see Daryl Murphy come off the bench. Yeah. Just uh, just uh, in terms of, uh, I mean, obviously Robbie Keane came on. Maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe Martin O'Neill thought, well, you know, this is a big game. Maybe this is actually, uh, maybe Robbie Keane can deliver something for us here. Also, he has been hanging out with us for the last few days while you know, his wife had a baby and all. I'm, I'm sure that wasn't actually <laughs> part of his thoughts. But it seems to me as though Daryl Murphy, I mean, Daryl Murphy is nowhere near as, as good a footballer as Robbie Keane, never has been, never will be. Maybe was a more suitable player for that type of game, considering that all we were really doing was firing balls into the box from a variety of angles, which Robbie Keane is never really going to win. I mean, maybe if, he, maybe if he was playing there with somebody like Daryl Murphy, uh, he might have a chance of... of you know, getting onto latching onto a ricochet in the box. Well, that's a Ronnie Whedon thought it had gone to four four two. That was the way he was reading it from the commentary position that Walters and Keane were basically playing up front at the end there. Mm. Walters, you know, is not is not really a. I mean, Walters is is like a Trojan. You know, I mean, he's he's doing an unbelievable amount. He's nearly wasted team. when he's right up at the top of an attack. Anyway, yeah, yeah he's, he's better to he's, be. He's not really a big man though, a target man type. You know, that's not really what he is. But he does win a lot of headers. Yeah, yeah, he does, and he gets he gets up there and he fights for the ball. I, I think Mur- Murphy maybe look. Who, who cares at this stage? You're asking about the playoff. Yeah, let's get to the playoff. Let's get a bit of positivity back. I think sounds like you're still reasonably confident. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I apologize if I'm downbeat. I'm, I'm, no, no, I you're feel, not. I, I, I feel a bit. I feel a bit annoyed because I walked away from the um, security screening in Stansted Airport today, just leaving my bag behind me. So I feel sad about that. Oh no. I mean, how does how is that even possible? Are there like? valuables in there? They yeah. Wanted, well, just I mean, not that valuable, but like valuable to me, you know. Shh. Oh, family heirlooms. Um, just like clothes. I told you about bringing stuff. the family heirlooms around. The just all the stuff and the back and the little case itself, you know. I that was my little travel case, so it's gone, you know. And apparently, I've had to log on to some awful internet lost and found thing. I mean, they say one point one million items found, and I'm thinking, oh no. That's not reassuring. Well, presumably you've also caused a security alert if you've left the bag behind. Well, probably. I mean, maybe they just destroyed my bag. I don't know. I mean, how do you even do that? It's like they make you um, unpack all your stuff and sort of spread it out in all these cases. There's so much stuff that I kind of forgot what I had and just walked away. So so that's put me in just a bad mood all day. And if it wasn't for that, I probably would have, would have been a lot more positive about Aaron's chances. So we're going to qualify? 
I, I believe I believe so I believe, we, I believe we'll do it okay we're going to be doing just before we wrap things up I want to mention we will be doing a live recording of the podcast in the Sugar Club on the 21st of October so what are we now October 12th that's uh, the 21st of October which is a Wednesday night it tells me here uh, Wednesday 21st of October live show in the Sugar Club we've had a great time the last couple of programs that we've done there so we'll give you some details on how to get tickets on Twitter if you follow us at Second Captains you can have a look at all of that you can also listen to the first show that we put out today it was the first show of the week featured Shane Horgan and French reaction to the incredible scenes in Cardiff yesterday lots of good stuff from Shane and also from Jerry Thorny there so well worth your time if you do have a little bit of um, a little bit of a gap in your day to listen to another podcast thanks very much Ken thank you too thanks for listening to this one we'll talk to you soon Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.